0: strapped in the trenches, making moves going all out, everyday handle business, you know that the hustle don't stop, got my team, let's get it, reviewing books and talk stocks, steady keep it moving, so you gon' wanna tune in, get low down. it's an app, get local food on demand, delivery right to your home, everything in the palm of your hand, took hard work and dedication, come through, join the conversation, this is history up in the making,
1: we just wanna be an inspiration, Hey, let's go. Welcome to another episode of Bootstrapped in the Trenches. Changes are inevitable, and they're very important at the moment. We don't really have a title for this episode, but as everybody is well aware, there's a lot going on in the world. We're all locked down for months, and then George Floyd was killed in a terrible way, and it ended up triggering... What was clearly boiling over for a long time, a massive problem in our country that hopefully is going to finally be addressed in a, in a different fashion with sustainable consequences in a great way. I think we could all agree it seems like this go around is different with the protests. It seems like it's taken on a new wave and it'll be interesting to see where this leads. But there's no doubt it seems like systematically things are going to be shifting. As we're already seeing in the police, with the police in certain municipalities, we're seeing it in New York, they're announcing it in Minneapolis with what's going on with the, you know, they have to obviously appease a lot of people, but it's clear there's going to be shifting gears on the budget on where money is actually being allocated in the police force. And I, I think that's a really big deal with where the conversations can go and where education can go. But I know every, it's a touchy subject. I know everybody is kind of walking on eggshells. Dan, we can kind of dive into this a bit, where as business owners, it's almost like you have to be careful what you post. No matter what, there's somebody that's going to take offense with what's currently going on, because I know there's very contrasting views on the interpretation of this thing. So to start, what are your thoughts on everything?
2: I mean, the last thing you just said and nailed it, where almost, uh, (laughs) I almost am concerned to even dive into my thoughts because everything on the internet right now just turns into a whole entire debate and you can't say anything without getting hacked, like you just said.
1: I mean, like Drew- Because we're going to dive into this with Jake a bit more, obviously a fellow entrepreneur that we know really well, but- How do you think it's wise now to navigate as business owners when you're thinking about like personally on Instagram and as a business, how, how to go about that? Because it's kind of the last few days have been tough. Do you, do you post something about the podcast about the morning mashup? Do you refrain from doing that? Because it's distasteful if you're not only highlighting what's going on right now in the world.
2: So I think there was that one day that was supposed to be dedicated to not posting things outside of things Blackout behind that. Yeah. But no, man. I mean, look, I'm, I'll just say flat out. I don't think that that's how it should be. I think you get to a point where, and to jump right into it, like Uber, for example, for, uh, for anyone who doesn't know Uber eats and who knows how true it is, but they basically came out saying that they weren't, it was either, was it, off no commission they essentially said that they were going to waive the commissions whether it's 50 off or no commission i don't know the details but they're giving special treatment to black restaurant owners and that like to me that's just so silly because it almost puts them in a light where they feel like they're not On the same playing field as other owners that aren't given that special treatment. It's It's it's
1: it's insulting.
2: insulting. And I I, I saw it's insulting, man. And I saw, and again, it's so it's weird to bring up, but I saw this former black police officer who's now a comedian. (laughs) Send you guys this video, but put up and obviously not a comedy video, but he put out this video. That's like 10 minutes long. His name is Terrence K. Williams. Have you guys ever heard of him?
0: No, I have heard of him.
2: Well, I'm going to just say what he said. And this is what he was saying. He, He was basically saying that the way this is going down is just so dumb. And all it's doing is making a further separation there's no like clear agenda he was he was kind of saying like we're at a point in society where we're, we've come a long way and he was going over the statistics of police brutality with black people versus white people and what it was this year last year years before that showing the incredible progress that we have made and also bringing attention to some other things and this is just so weird to talk about but he started to talk about you know george floyd and his background and he was actually pulled over for and it's interesting that no one talks about that at all i guess maybe it just doesn't matter but you know it's interesting that no one really knows And I'm not saying this justifies anything. It doesn't. The cop murdered him. The cop deserves to spend the rest of his life in prison. I full heartedly believe that. At the same time, George Floyd was pulled over when he was on meth for trying to use counterfeit money and also had a criminal record of pulling a gun on a pregnant woman along with other things. And again, I'm not at all saying, oh, well, that justified it. It doesn't that what happened should have never happened. He was essentially saying that when you look at examples of police brutality, whether it's towards black people or white people, there's usually something that happened to cause it. It's not like these people are just not doing anything. And he's like, it's not fair to attack the police if you're not going to like at least bring that up. And it's, again, I feel weird talking about this because I know this is such a sensitive topic. Well, no, it's good
1: you're talking about it. It would, it would be weird if we weren't talking about this, I think. Did you guys
2: know that, though, about George Floyd? Like, it's interesting that yep. no one talks yeah. about it. Okay, so, well,
0: yeah. What are
2: your guys' thoughts on that?
0: Corey, go for it. I mean, I don't think it's obviously not justified. It's a terrible thing. I just understand. I watched a video that's going viral from Cadence Owens, um, who's, you know, known to be a right-wing, big Trump supporter and kind of go the other way with the Black Lives Matter topic. She's always been on the opposite side. Um, And, yeah, you know, obviously nothing justifies this. But they, you know, George Floyd is kind of like a martyr right now there. Everyone is kind of treating him like he's like a hero. And, you know, he does have a dicey background. Um, But obviously everything that happened to him is terrible. Never should have happened. Um, But, you know, there's other cases. There's other people. The guy who's jogging in Georgia. I mean, you know, it's just it took this guy to die for the world to come together and protest. But there's been so many other cases And, you know, this guy definitely doesn't have the best history of everything that happened to him in the past,
1: Um, but obviously it's still terrible. You know, there's no getting past that. Yeah. I think it was that boiling over point, just the perfect storm of everyone had enough and they were locked down. And then it wasn't about, I get the whole notion of, okay, the guy had a dicey background. You're dead on Corey, for sure. At the end of the day, though. Whether he was a, like a star athlete like LeBron James or some deadbeat, it was. it's more of they needed another trigger to just let it off. And I get that. So I have thought a lot about that because at first I was like, I didn't even realize his background. Then I dug up on it. I'm like, what's up with this? But then I thought more about it. And it's more about this has been just such an ongoing problem that you could throw anyone up in that position to be a, a martyr, in my opinion. Yeah. To represent this right now. It doesn't matter if they're a murderer or not, because it, it's been such a systematic problem. So at the end of the day, I I think there's no matter what, racism has been embedded in our country forever. I think next week we should read the new Jim Crow book, which I read a long time ago when it came out, to just go over that would have been a bit more fitting this week, but you know, we had already planned out the book. But it just it really does break down how This is systematic and there has to be a shift in starting with conversation, but we need to have a new way things are built within the police force. So it's not just about let's spread love instead of hate. I hear that. It sounds great, but that's not there's way more to that than just getting someone that's been embedded, conditioned like a certain way for so long. You can't just teach them to be something else after 50 or 60 years on Earth. It's not that easy. So I think that's a lot of it. And I think we are going to see major changes. I think young people are extremely, they're filled with humility. I think social media has brought awareness on a level with sensitivity that people didn't have back when we were kids. They couldn't because they didn't actually understand the ramifications at scale. And I think that's one huge plus that social media brings, even though it leads to a lot of problems. I think it actually does, even though it desensitizes a lot of things. I think it's magnified this problem enough now where it's it's hit the, the bell that's been needed yeah, with enough absolutely. people. So, yeah, I don't, I personally, I don't have like a solution personally in mind where it's like, oh, let, but it starts with the conversation, right? And it starts with education is what the, the world's built on. So everyone clearly understands something has to change. At least most people understand that. And that's the beginning of change when enough yeah. people are in that methodology. So I think we're we're starting something here. Yeah. People aren't born racist. They learn it over time and that needs to change. So you're spot on with education. You're spot on, Corey. That's a great point. The only thing people are born are craving sugar. Yeah, Literally. Exactly. Everything else is conditioned. <laughs> so when you think about it, we all and we've seen it firsthand, all of us. You pick up on habits. You tweak certain things. The hu- humans are great at change. We just are not great at embracing it all the time. But we're all very more than capable of it. Yeah. So, yeah, that's where I got there. Do we have any, Corey? I know you mentioned food for thought. You had something about the NBA you wanted to highlight because I know current events are really well, yeah. were there.
0: Not for food for thought, but as far as the NBA goes, they did announce that they're going to open July 31st. It's going to be 22 teams. Um, It's kind of going to be a a sprint for the playoffs, and it should be interesting. I think the main topic here is, will people you know, if a team like the Pelicans wins the finals, will people say that this season you know, it's not, will it be an
1: asterisk um,
0: with their championship or whoever wins will you know. I, I, I
1: couldn't agree. I think 100%. Like I no matter what, I just look at this year as a one off. There he is. Michael Baron Eisenbahn, the legend. We gotta yeah. get him on here. But Dan, what do you think about that? A shortened season, an asterisk. It's hard to not think of it as an asterisk.
2: No, but it's also a season people remember for the rest of their lives, that's for sure. <laughs> but if yes, you're seriously. a
1: player and you win the title, like if you're a LeBron on the Lakers and you win this year, you're still it's a championship. No matter what. Yes.
0: And, you know, they did – I mean, it'll probably work out to be very similar. I mean, they played through February, and then they'll have a few months to before the actual finals and the playoffs start. So, it'll kind of be a full season. It'll just be separated.
1: And, yeah, it seems like, you know, we've seen clearly with the protests, one thing it has done – it's given us enough sample size. I want to I knock on wood here and not jinx this, but it seems like this virus is on the back burner where you would think this will expedite the sports crowds coming to capacity way sooner. We saw casinos open last week. I think we were talking about they were only going to be 25 to 50% capacity. It looks like they're overpacked. Like there didn't seem to be an inkling of that going on. Even yesterday, I was out in New York, eating outside, like socially distancing, but they were putting out chairs and tables.
0: So yeah, I, was just gonna yeah, say, I, I think just, I
1: makes you wonder, do you guys yeah, think this has expedited the timeframes, these protests on getting oh, people back in groups quickly? Definitely. I mean, I, I just got
0: back to the city and uh, it feels like completely day and night compared to when I left last week. I mean, the streets by my apartment are crowded. There's people like lining up for ice cream and ices. So it's good to see. Definitely much better.
2: Yeah, I think the narrative has kind of permanently changed, at least, where, you know, eventually you just get exhausted by the whole topic. And I think enough people high up realized shutting down just maybe was never a good idea, but also just nothing we could ever go back to. So even if there is a spike what's it going to really mean as far as our day-to-day lives? And I think, you know, things are just going to slowly get back to normal. I don't see things reversing as far as life back to normal, even with potential spikes, which I'm sure will happen. It's just, you know, have people get really sick, they'll be able to go to the hospital, and a lot of people will probably get mild cases due to the time of year it is. And I just, I think people are done talking about it on the scale that they were a month ago
0: i think as well far yeah, as like, summer does but you know what what happens in the fall obviously we're yet to see and that could
1: be crazy yeah for sure. it'll be and it it almost seems it's crazy it's just every election year you know things heat up right i i know when you think back to 2016 it was nothing like this but the the me too movement the women's movement was huge Going oh, yeah. into that Trump election with the whole grabbing the pussy incident. I remember that just taking off on another level. And I'm not trying to compare this by any means. It's apples and oranges. But it is ironic to me and no coincidence by any matter that there he is, our buddy Ed Cookie. What's up? <laughs> uh, no, but it's no coincidence to me that things heat up around election time. And uh, you guys remind me next four years from now, I might take a bit of a trip for a, a few weeks around this time of year. I just think this is when the heat's on more than ever. And then you yeah. think if Trump's reelected, things will calm down. If he's not reelected, things will calm down. So that's where, you know, expect a little more. Let's talk, go into this sixteen thing, because Dan, I know you mentioned that before we went live. There's been some interesting narrative behind closed doors about what's actually under wraps. And I don't want to spread any rumors out here because I don't have any proof, but... Supposedly, there's a lot of dirt on a lot of very powerful people out
2: there. Yeah, well, who's staticky is that? What's going on there? All right. Um. Well, look, I'll admit I'm one of the people that didn't know the like full extent of what happened with the Epstein stuff. Like, I, I would see all these people post on social media, Epstein didn't kill himself. Epstein didn't kill himself, and. I didn't really dive into it ever. I did to an extent. Like I knew what the story was, but then I watched the documentary. I think it was like three or four episodes and you know, (laughs) long story short for anyone who didn't see it, you should watch it. But this guy essentially had female compass who helped him recruit and have sex with these underage women. I mean, there's no other way to say it. And that's just what happened. And to take it one step further, you had a lot of politicians, and just really, really successful people that were in his inner circle that were always hanging out, whether it was Bill Clinton, Donald Trump, like he would have these parties and anybody who was anybody was there. And obviously I think the girl who initially I called him out was he basically sent this girl on a vacation to get her spa license in thailand and that was like one of the arrangements and when she was in thailand i think she looked at it as a chance to get out of the situation she was in and run away and she met this man from australia fell in love with him got married to him really really quickly and then moved to australia and she was the one who ended up blowing up his spot and then all these other girls started coming forward. And then, I mean, what was crazy was how long it dragged on. Like th- there was this uh, years where the detectives knew that he was doing this before he was able to actually get arrested. And then once he was arrested, the story goes, he hung himself. But even in the documentary, they bring one of these doctors on who claims that the way a couple of his jaw bones were broken means that like – chances of him committing suicide were very, very small, and it must have been something else related. But bottom line, I mean, when you see the dirt this guy probably had on anybody who's anybody, there's no doubt the guy was killed. I mean, he had to have been just because – I agree he, completely. I, I he had no to have been. Yeah, I mean, when you think about how many people would have gone down who might still go down – I mean, that like Prince of whatever his name is. Did you guys watch the documentary?
1: Yeah, I thought there I'm was a lot. Four. To me left a lot on the table. It was almost like I was waiting for a, a second part of it to come out where I'm like, okay, they just didn't really dive into. It's like they're still waiting on answers with a lot of things. Or well, they yeah. just weren't able to do good journalism.
2: Well I think a lot of the reason is the guy's dead so there's no deals to be made there's no it's like he was the guy who was probably going to But you got to
1: think there's there's stuff out there right like there's he's dead but there's trails there's paper trails
2: There's a lot of stuff out there. I mean, there was the thing that, and I I didn't remember this, but I guess it resurfaced. There was that story that came out about Trump, like raping some underage girl at one of his parties or whatever in 2016. And eventually the story got buried. Like there was a lot of, there's a lot of things that you would think, like you guys saw, I forget the guy's name, but like the prince who. Yeah.
1: Yeah. was it prince of Wales or prince of george
2: something i think i think think prince of george that that guy is going down and like they're right now still like that guy they're going after him and I, i don't really see how that guy gets out of anything like they had this interview in one of the episodes where he was trying to play dumb and they're like what about the picture like you're in a picture with this girl and he was like i don't recall meeting her it's like dude you shouldn't yeah. have done this interview. You look like an idiot right now. Well, but and like, I think that's
1: the problem though. It's almost like they have so much dirt on so many people that what, where is that really heading? Like this is way beyond the Me Too movement it's, it's, and it's beyond fucked up because all these people should be brought down immediately. It's just what, what level are we really talking about here?
2: So another you know? thing I heard that was crazy is apparently, I guess either this week or last week, Hillary had to go in front of Congress for the email stuff. And no one's one's talking about it because there's a lot of other things people are talking about, but apparently they, and I I don't, I don't know if this is true. So don't quote me on this fact check it. I've heard this though. Apparently there was a lot of stuff in her emails about like this sex trafficking stuff and that like she was involved in it, maybe to protect bill. I don't really know the extent Mm -hmm. of it but that there's there's stuff going around that that's a thing well, and again and that's I'm,
1: why you wonder if it'll get out because if it's on both sides to that extent it just discredits our country that's the that's where i almost as much as i'm sure there's a lot of people that want to bury trump here it's way beyond that as fucked up as that sounds
2: Well, i mean <laughs> like, it's he's the only guy that like is really still in a, no, I shouldn't say still in a position of power. We don't
1: know. Some, we don't know.
2: We don't know. We don't know. Yeah. But
1: and there's think about a private Island without U S law when it comes to this stuff. Like we have no idea who was on this Island all the time. That's what's oh, really crazy about it. We yeah, it's know,
0: Saint, Yeah. It's like every single shady person goes to St. Thomas. I feel like.
1: There you go. I mean, <laughs> you know, It's yeah, it's just one of those things you wonder, is this going to be the next narrative heading into the election where a bomb is going to drop on Trump right before the election? Where they tried doing that a few years ago with the grab your pussy thing, which was way less severe than what we're talking about here, obviously. And, you know, maybe maybe that's it. I don't know. But that, that would really be problematic i think in many ways i don't know where that's gonna go
2: i mean i think there's gonna be a lot of quote-unquote bombs that drop between now and election it's gonna be one narrative after the next like the protest narrative in my opinion is gonna die out very very quickly five six more days because something else is just gonna take its place and people are so On to the next thing, on to the next thing, constantly. That it it takes one big story to completely take over the media, and that will happen soon. It's just well, I think this
1: police reform thing, though, is not going away. Like, there's no doubt that's gonna be an ongoing, you know, driving force here.
2: It's an interesting force because I don't quite understand, like, when people say, defund the police. What what does that mean? Are people calling for there to not be any more police people? Like to me, that would be a whole nother can of worms. Well, that's
1: 100% not happening. But their ideal world would be the police having way less resources to control.
2: Like what? Elaborate on
0: that. Well, what I mean is
1: getting rid of having petty crime and people just being up each other's asses where – Defunding the police, I think, in a perfect world for somebody that hates cops is that there aren't enough police to be enforcing everybody doing something like not really badly wrong, but where it's like, oh, jaywalking this, that, where it's almost been an overabundance of cops in some people's opinions, which could help trigger alleviating as much brutality when you don't have that type of numbers game.
0: Yeah. In Minnesota, they said that they're going to have more cameras for traffic tickets. So, you know, they're not going to have cops patrolling the seat, uh, controlling the streets, and they're going to have more cameras. And then they're going to, you know, put they're going to dispatch more things to fire stations. And it it depends, um, you know, what it is. But there's just going to be no cops, which is just crazy to think about. But, you know, we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, that's how they're planning on doing it. And more like state controlled stuff.
2: I mean, I I think that's personally a dangerous game to play because I think with everything happening right now, there's going to be probably a pretty high unemployment rate for years to come. And there's probably going to be a bigger gap in wealth because of everything happening and how it looks like the bailout is happening and all that stuff. And I, I don't necessarily see people being almost self-governed to an extent as something that's going to pan out well at all. I think we saw a little sample of that actually over the last few weeks with police kind of being told to stand down in cities when just to kind of let things happen. That just didn't seem like it went well. I think people need to feel like there's a sense of uh, consequence if like the law is broken, but that's just me.
1: Well, yeah, I think there's a happy balance there, right? It's not like, obviously, we need there to be consequences if someone's doing something criminal, but there's no doubt there's also a time and place where you don't need a cop on every corner, like we saw in New Jersey growing up, where no matter where any street you were on, there was a policeman.
0: Yeah, well, like growing up in our towns, I feel like policemen just, and this is obviously being privileged. Uh, policemen were just looking for
1: kids like smoking weed and, you know, writing tickets and things like that. Like they're, well, yeah. Yeah. So, Um, you know, I think when you have that kind of thought process, it's like that. And that's where it's also, there's has to be like anything, a compromise defunding the police. It's about shifting resources for a balance where everyone is feeling like they're valued and creating opportunities where it's not just a let's house this person, for this profile, right? So that's what it'll be interesting to see. Hopefully there'll be some systematic changes with this. Like, almost like when you guys think back in the, when the gang wars were really bad in the 80s and early 90s, where they had to, some, you know, they, they brought together the gang leaders for conversation to end the violence and figure out what what can we do to keep the clean, the streets less violent here. It starts with a conversation, and I, I don't think we have a solution here today. No, nobody does. It's not easy. It's not a turnkey, staple, easy button situation. This is extremely complicated. But it's it's good that people now have the platforms to talk, and you know, hopefully we see something systematically change. I think there's going to be a new normal. From pre, there will never be the world that we were in pre-pandemic no. at all.
2: Like what? I, how so? What do you mean by that?
1: Well, I don't know, Dan. I think there's a lot of change coming. Like In our lifetimes, we've all been privileged. We haven't seen shit change. We we came from nice areas. There hasn't been any real turmoil. I know there was 9-11, but let's be real. There hasn't been anything that crazy before Corona. With the lockdown, we had curfews for the first time in our lives. So, you know, things have definitely shifted a bit. Like, I was thinking about that the other night. I'm like, there's a curfew going on here. We're in America. That was kind of scary.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I never even looked at that as scary. I looked at it like, I, I, I understood it fully. Just do it every
1: scary because it's a, it's not a democracy. When you have curfews, you start and surveillance. It just brings up some conversations okay, that
2: are I'm glad you're saying that because like I I've I've been kind of like annoyed by that narrative that people have been taking the curfews and the bringing in the military to help with situations as a oh this country's turning into like a dictatorship country and I I personally so don't see it that way. They're quick to unravel those things as soon as things somewhat got back to normal but Dan, I mean, it's
1: more the plants it's like they're quick to unravel but we never had it before and then we all of a sudden do it's we never had lockdowns before we you know being introduced to something that is not in a free marketplace society not saying it wasn't needed in a circumstantial situation i can assure you the curfew was ridiculous Corey, i know you saw that in new york it was just there were uh, illegal activities going on for a few nights with looters I thought that curfew, the way they installed it, was asinine because it was such a gray area. Oh, if you're an essential worker or protesting nonviolently, you technically can't be arrested until the last night. It made no sense. Did you see the driver get
0: arrested? I think it was a DoorDash uh, driver who got arrested in New York for
1: delivering food past 8 o'clock. Like, that. See, that's insane. what... I, And it was sketchy because also you saw Uber had an announcement where they were not doing rides between 8 p.m. and 12.30 a.m., but then rides resumed that night before the curfew lifted. I thought that was strange. It was like Uber had an in before the world knew the curfew was ending because they started doing rides again at 12.30 in the morning the day before the curfew ended, which was very strange to me.
2: Yeah, I mean... Uh, I I can't help but I, I don't know. I, I just think that there was a lot of people who dropped the ball on doing what was right in their specific jurisdiction, and I, I never even knew before any of this happened who was responsible for deciding how these different things play out. But you know, like you find out who is and. At the end of the day, I think there's a lot of leaders who dropped the ball and like, everything got out of hand the last week and a half, and it could have been controlled, and it, and it wasn't. And everything, in my opinion, was a result of that, not vice versa. And I, I personally think everything that happened happened for a reason as far as bringing in curfews and, like, These small businesses that are basically so on the cusps of going under as it is, essentially, we're all like that was the nail in the coffin for a lot of them. And a lot of those things were happening. And, you know, like the looting is being done to places that do not deserve to be looted that now will never recover from that. There are a lot of businesses that were on their last lifeline going into the last two weeks. And that's it, you'll never see them open again. And yeah, I know, and that's
1: where it's just it's almost that's where we're in for a new normal, like we're just heading into a different world without a doubt. Because you're right, the gap is widening. Where we saw the stock market and the actual street, it's like night and day. When we see what just happened, the stock market's back and the world's in chaos, so we know how that game works. Well, the gap, the wealth gap widens.
2: That, that was one yeah, of the okay. things I was going to bring up, actually, as one of the news points, just how quickly the market rallied back just to get well, your we should guys should talk about the book
1: because we have 10 minutes before Corey gets off here. It's a good theme to go into with Flash Crash. All
2: right, well, you want to summarize well, yeah, it? Yeah,
1: highlight what you were talking about, and we'll get into that with the book.
2: Well, no, I was just going to say that like for everybody who – has this narrative that, you know, the future is going to be 10 companies that run the world. At the end of the day, what's happened because of this pandemic is it's cheaper to borrow capital than it's ever been in the history of our world. And there's more of it to borrow than the history of our world. So I I think there's a lot of small businesses that are going to continue to pop up that are going to start because of this. And unfortunately, due to reasons that were out of their control. A lot of people are going to lose their businesses because of everything that's happened, but you're going to have a lot of new small business add character to towns. That's not going to go away in my opinion. And the only reason I say that is the access of capital. It's a real thing. If you have a good idea and you want to start it, you can get that money at such a cheap interest rate and you can get a lot of it and It's just, there's a lot of liquidity right now for for new businesses, for existing businesses. So I think that's something that's going to continue. Small businesses are going to continue to be like a big thing in our country, even post-pandemic, in my opinion.
1: Time will tell. Uh, Yeah, that'll be interesting to see.
0: And And, real quick, I just have uh, food for thought. Uh, But so I just want to do a little did you know section. So... Just got some fun food facts for us. Uh, the first one is, did you know cucumbers are one of the most hydrating foods to eat? It, they contain over 96% water. Uh, they can aid in weight loss. They lower blood sugar, and they kill bre- bad breath. So you can add cucumber to your water, to your tea, or even your vodka. Good pre And day. then perfect date, exactly. Perfect date drink. Um, and then did you know uh, peanut butter can actually be turned into diamonds because of its rich carbon compounds thought that was pretty interesting something i did not know and i also found out that one fast food hamburger can contain meat from over a hundred different cows Ew! wow right that's That's
1: fucking
0: the last one is i also did not know but almonds are actually a member of the peach family hmm yeah interesting i I
1: remember that because i think that was one of my friday foodie uh trivia questions back in the day
0: so yeah, this is perfect for you, Mike. I figured since you've done a bunch of this on our social media platforms, here's a little trivia for you and Dan. The ice cream cone, pasta primavera, and eggs were all invented in what U.S. city? Wow,
2: U.S. city—that's crazy that the ice cream cone was invented in the United States. I feel like we're not wow, capable. of that's a great question, America.
1: Corey. You have jumped here completely.
0: Let's—we'll uh, give you guys each one guess. I'm going to guess San Francisco. Okay.
1: I mean, I'm gonna just ice cream cone. Where would that be? Los Angeles, like Wisconsin, or something. <laughs> it's the dairy state. I'm gonna say Oshkosh, Wisconsin.
0: Wow, surprisingly, New York City. Oh wow! What? Yep, shocker, I, man.
1: That's that's a good one.
0: And that is good food, for, food thought. for
1: thought, Corey. It got us thinking. <laughs> And and guys, now in the book we read uh, flash crash by Liam Vaughn. It was about the Indian uh, day trader Nat Navander Singh, who was basically a, a prodigy out of his parents like house, just racking up millions of dollars by himself. And it was he, this guy was a savant because it was obvious it kind of reminded me of that billion dollar whale a bit with the, the whole demeanor of this dude where it didn't really seem like he cared about anything except winning. Like, that that was just the theme I got. Like, he loved just beating the system and didn't even care about money itself, more the power. And, I mean, yeah, long story short, electronic trading didn't exist until this this decade. Or not this decade, this century. So, before 2000, you didn't see stock trading. Like, back when our father... Dan and my dad was uh, on Wall Street. It wasn't, you didn't have E Trade and Fidelity and these electronic platforms where you can trade with, you know, off the cusp. There used to be way more time lapses to be able to make trades. And there was a book, what was that book, Dan, a few years ago we read? The, the Michael Lewis book where they were instilling all those cables to try to have faster trades. Remember that?
2: Yeah, that wasn't Red Notice, was it?
1: I think it was Red Notice. Okay. so, yeah, yeah, there was a book that just went over that in the beginning of this era. But long what this book summarized was there was a massive flash crash back in 2010 that based on this story, Navander Singh triggered with his own formulas that he had installed in (laughs) trading markets where he would basically bluff limit orders to convince people to buy or sell stocks at certain prices to change the stock and his volume would be so high that it would manipulate the stock market. And one day there was just one of those perfect storm situations. So yeah, wanted to get your guys' thoughts on that because I know we're in an era where within the last three months, the stock market is, we're almost back to all-time highs after we were locked down for weeks. We thought we were heading into a Great Depression, what, eight weeks ago? And now we're in a raging bull market all of a sudden. So I wanted to just talk to you guys about how technology collapses time frames and what you got from this book overall. Because I know we're kind of in that chaotic world. So it was kind of fitting.
0: Corey, take it. Yeah, no, honestly, um, I love the book. I, I knew instantly that this guy was at like had Asperger's. I could just tell and it kind of yeah. came out. Um, but obviously, just the way he was, he like Mike said. He didn't want, he wasn't purchasing anything with the money he was building. He was literally just building up money just to have more money on top of money. Um, It was just interesting. Uh, He was just sitting there and his parents in the bedroom of his childhood house doing all this. And, you know, most people do it for cars and and all kinds of things. And this guy was just doing it for for nothing. Uh, And it it was just, it was an awesome book. I think it was um, a pretty interesting read. It was a quick read. And it's still, even though it's very hard to understand, like futures and everything in the stock market, they still made it pretty easy to kind of, to, to grasp and read. What'd you think? Yeah. I mean, I
2: agree. And to kind of add to what Mike was saying about how technology kind of collapses time and just makes things speed up. I was actually having a conversation with my friends about this today because we were talking about the market and we were just like, okay, okay. Is are we really just gonna go in a straight line back to where we were? Is that is that actually what's gonna happen here with no resistance? And then, Mike, you know, we were talking about it a little this morning. At the end of the day, when you look at what happened in 2008, eventually it led to a massive bailout, which essentially led to wealth in the stock market doubling. Like the stock market basically doubled from 2008 to 2020. And then also what happened was the Fed had way more experience dealing with an actual recession and knowing like what to do to offset a massive amount of wealth being lost in the country, which they just don't want. So when you think about what happened this time and you mix it with technology, it's not that crazy to think of a situation where in 2020, you get a market crash that rebounds almost immediately off of two things one the algorithm trading but two the fed understanding things in a way that they didn't understand in 2008 and that they really didn't understand in 1987 and the different crashes each time it gets a little they get wiser and again like the the last the worst thing that could ever happen to our country behind closed doors and stock market crashing because it produces all the wealth and if the stock market truly crashes you wipe out so much wealth so That's where you look at where the market is, and on one end, it's gone on this insane run, and everyone's just like, what the hell is even going on here? The other end, it was priced in for the world to end. And when you really look at how low things got, it's almost warranted that there's like a huge quick comeback once you realize that the world isn't ending and that like people are starting to book planes. You saw the jet blue guy on TV today, like life's starting to go back to normal. So I I don't know. I'm so back and forth on it. Cause on one end, everything that you learn and everything that you see happen in real life experience tells you that you're kind of getting close to that point where you should really sell a lot of stock. But on the other end, if you kind of compare this time period to what happened in two thousand eight, you could make the argument that this is the beginning of that next doubling of like equity and assets. Roaring twenties. Yeah, and possibly you see inflation slowly tick up, and that's where you talk about the wealth gap. Is if you don't have assets, you're screwed because the dollar becomes worth a little less, and toilet paper becomes costs a little bit more, and that all. Collides, but if you have your money in assets, you might, we might be in that you know once in a generation period where those assets shoot up over the next decade. I, I just don't know. That's why I, no I, one does. No yeah, one no does. one does. No one does. But the one thing everyone, the one thing everyone does now is that similar to 2008, you have a unheard of amount of liquidity getting pumped into the system, not just in our country, but all over the world. And people want assets that, that they don't all want to
1: Buy and hold. Uh, YouTube, subscribe, folks. and. Thanks for tuning in.
0: Bootstrapped in the trenches. Making moves, going all out. Every day, handle business. You know that the hustle don't stop. Got my team, let's get it. Reviewing books and talk stocks. Steady, keep it moving. So you gon' gonna wanna tune in. Get low down, it's an app. Get local food on demand. Delivery right to your home. Everything in the palm of your hand. Took hard work and dedication. Come through, join the conversation. This is history up in the making. We just wanna be an inspiration. Hey, let's go.